Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with a returning guest that I am just really excited to talk to. His new single hits today. I will have link in, links in the show notes because why wouldn't I? You know, I mean, I wouldn't just have him on the show, spend some time with me and then not tell you where to find him. That would just be stupid. Also, uh, before I bring him on, quick announcement. I have discovered that with one of the uh, Apple podcast updates, they have now extended the 300 podcast cutoff to 2000. So while I was going to have to end this show and bleed it into another show, I no longer have to do that. I can just keep it as the Haskin Cast podcast and you don't have to follow two RSS feeds. Thank God. All right, let's get to our guest. Dean Ray was on the show. This is episode 270. He was on episode 125 almost two years ago, October 7th of 2020. So uh, apparently we're just going to get together every couple of years and have a chat <laughs> when he comes out with something new. Uh, Dean Ray, welcome to the show. Dean, how are you? Hey, man. I'm, I'm really good. I'm really good at the moment. I feel great. I'm really you glad know, to hear um, that. Yeah, I turned 30 a little while ago, and I feel uh, I feel like uh, uh, I've paid my dues a bit more as far as existing in the world, and I feel like society sees you that way. It's a, it's a different level. Yeah, and, and my interest in learning again is, is has come back, which is cool. Good. That is so important. And uh, belated happy birthday. Uh, I turned Thank you. Thank I turned fifty over the summer, so I'll just be sitting in the corner turning dust. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I think that that is a sign of an intelligent mind, right? A, a desire to have more input, to build, to build ourselves, to figure out who we are. I think that there's there's got to be some higher level of intelligence with that than than say maybe the average person who just kind of just doesn't really care. Yeah, it's. It's a it's an addictive thing, I think, to to look within. But I found that quite confusing initially when people said, "All the answers are within. Look within." And I just found that the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard at the time. I was like, "What do you mean? What am I looking for? What is all this about? You know what? What do you mean? Look within. Do I do I get a mirror and try and look up my nose? Like what? What are you talking about?" <laughs> so I've started to research what that means and and putting myself under the microscope a bit more and and dealing with things that have been uncomfortable you know memories that are uncomfortable to look at i've stared them in the face and dealt with them and gone yeah okay well that happened why has that happened how did it make me feel at the time how do i feel about it now um all right now i'm going to let that go because it's not the current moment it's a long time ago so learn the things I could learn from it, dissect it and throw it out. And that's what I've been, um, I've been doing a lot lately, which um, has made me feel quite uh, relaxed and, and happy and content. Like I'm, I'm more content now just doing regular things, you know, I might be walking the dog or sitting on the couch reading a book or something like that, you know, where I usually wouldn't really sit around and for too long unless I was busy with, with work or with an activity of some sort. Whereas now I'm able to kind of just sit down and be. And, I, yeah, I think that's really, that's really cool. Never saw the point. I always thought if you're sitting down and just 
existing, you know, like that's a waste of time, but it's actually quite wonderful. Well, it, there's something about getting away from the things that you do to just kind of gain a fresh perspective. Kind of like if you're, you know, the forest and the trees thing, if you're always in the forest, you can't see it anymore. And uh, I, I think there yeah. probably is like, like why people take vacations and things like that. I always found it difficult because I love being creative so much that I don't want to not be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of thing that, that I found as well. I was just would do it so much that became my identity. I feel like maybe the whole last couple of years has thrown a lot of us creatives into a bit of an identity crisis where we, if we identified with being a traveling performer and then all of a sudden we couldn't do it anymore, it was like, what am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Why am I alive? You know? (laughs) So I've ha- I had to find other reasons. It's like, well, if I'm not doing that anymore, that's clearly not who I am. And at the time, looking back now, I've realized that it was never who I am. It's something I do and something I like to do. So it's not who I am. Who we are is um, a combination of our values and what we've learned along the way, I think, makes up who we are at, at the humanoid level, for sure. Now, I want to ask you, uh, and I don't want to uh, get too personal if you don't want to, but I'm kind of curious. My friend Dee Wallace, who is a very talented actress, and she's also a healer, and she's been on the show a couple times, and she said that that most of the things that create who we are as people happen to us by the time we're eight. We kind of have decided who we want to be. Not in the in the longevity of it, but just like the person that we want to be, whether we're going to be kind or friendly or standoffish or secluded. Um, and most of those experiences and the people that we know, whether they be like our parents, grandparents, siblings, close friends, uh, all that's developed by the time we're eight. So as you've looked back on this stuff, do you think it's been those those memories that you have, were they before or after the age of eight? Most of mine, most of mine uh, tend to be around early teens to mid 20s is the section that I tend to go to a lot. Um, when I was a kid, I was a, quite a shy kid for a lot of the time uh, and had a, an interesting childhood. It was great, but it was definitely interesting in comparison to uh, – it was different to my classmates and stuff like that. It's the people at school and stuff. They had a more structured childhood, whereas we used to go off on weekends and play gigs, and and it was a just a, a different childhood to have. Um, I think looking back now, there's lots of, I think my mother was quite unhappy at the time, like in my early years. So I feel like I've been battling these negative thoughts for years that perhaps were carved into my being at an early age from hearing it so often. Um, and, and I feel like that would have been in the first eight years of my life, those things would have programmed into the subconscious. It's amazing how much those can affect us. I I remember, and I actually do have the memory of this happening. I I have flashes of the visuals of it. But when I was uh, around two years old, we went to a mall and my dad uh, went off to check something in a store. And I thought I saw him come back and just walk right by us. And I thought, excuse me, and I thought he didn't see us. 
So at this very young age, I somehow climb out of my stroller and I go chasing this man through the mall and it, and I'm screaming, daddy, daddy. And, you know, he's not turning around and I think he's just not hearing me or I'm not loud enough. And I'm, I'm just a tiny little guy, you know, uh, but I'm chasing him through this mall. And of course, you know, my, my mom and my brother had no idea where I was. So they're in a panic trying to find me and I'm screaming at this man and, and it, it really, had a huge impact on me because it made me feel like I don't have a voice. I'm not important enough. I'm not loud enough. I can't be heard. And I mean, I was like around two years old. Those are certainly going to have a huge impact on on us unless we pick those out and identify them and understand them for what they were. Of course, that guy's Mm. not going to turn around. He didn't know me. He didn't know. Why would he think I'm screaming at him? He doesn't know who I am. You know? Yeah. I I had a a breakthrough with a therapist a while ago where he um, got me to close my eyes and relax. And then he sort of gradually took me back throughout my life to different pinpoints uh, regarding a certain individual and got further and further back through childhood. And he's like, now, is there anything here that was more, uh, you know, something, something negative that may have happened between you and this person? I was, I I said, yeah, actually, yeah, there was definitely something here. Told him about the situation and basically uh, that had really shaped uh, how my amygdala would respond to threats or see things as threats where it's not actually a threat. It was a threat for me as a child and in that situation and it shouldn't have become like that. Um, And then throughout life, confrontation had a, had a way of revving me up. You know, if someone, if I was having a confrontation with someone, um, I could easily get heated, you know, and, and lose my temper or I would get the shakes and just not be able to handle it. And in my later, like the last probably five years or so, I found that it was going into this, this tremor. I'd get tremors when I was having confrontational things with people. I get so, so angry but then this tremor would happen and i just lose all my strength and i was like okay this is just too much so that's why i was talking to the therapist about it to try and get to the bottom of why that happens and we found the leading cause you know which is this one memory that i had this one thing that had seared into my brain that that's how you know that memory was deciding whether i'd fight or flight and yeah, it was such a great breakthrough, man. It costs like 600 bucks to get to that point, but it was good. Yeah, it sounds and, like um, he he changed the memory. He said, now I'm going to put myself in between you and that person. And so he stepped into the memory after I told him about it and then reshaped that memory. So in my in my mind, when I look back at that memory, he's actually in it. Oh, wow. Sticking up for me and defending me in that situation. And it changed the, uh, it has changed quite a lot. And um, I've never heard of such a technique, but that was unbelievable. Very cool. As long as he's not popping up everywhere in your life, like you're, you know, you're no. on stage and he just shows up and he's like yelling at somebody in the crowd or, you know. Yeah, it's always in my dreams. Right. Oh, no, that's, that's uh, cool though. It's that- just that one memory that he's wedged himself in between me and the person that I was you know, frightened of. And yeah, it's just, it's, it changes a lot. Quite amazing. The the power of the mind 
and I've been looking into more um, positive thinking and stuff lately because I've had a tendency to be quite negative over the years and I've picked it up somewhere in my early life and then took it with me and I would point out the negatives in things but I, I would kind of um, have this negative humor which I think is a bit dangerous. It's funny but it's dangerous because you can start to believe it and then you don't have time for positive thinkers. People who listen or have positive affirmations, they read to themselves. It's kind of like, yeah, right, all right, champ. You know, like I would have this bad <laughs> attitude towards that sort of stuff. Sure. Whereas nowadays I've been reading those things and it's like, yeah, you know, foolish of me to have thought that stuff was a joke. When it's um, the mind, thoughts will control emotions and emo- emotions tend to control reality for us. I think uh, and perception has been a wonderful thing to discover as well. But in the last few years, I've realized that not everyone views the world the same as me. And I don't know how I got through like 28 years of thinking that everyone saw what I saw. Mm-hmm. And they don't because of everyone's experiences lead them to see the world in a completely different way. Some don't see much of the world, some see more, uh, and then some will see it dark or light or or what, whatever, you know. They'll, they'll view it in their own way. And that's been interesting, you know. I've been taking that into account now. When I see someone's behavior, I'm like, okay, that behavior was kind of, you know, um, undesirable. What is their reality? Yeah, I, th- I think about that quite a bit. And I think, uh, you know, we, we in the last few years, we've had a, a resurgence of Nazis here in in the States. And I think, how can anybody just decide that a race of people needs to die because of the color of their skin or because of what piece of dirt they were born on, as opposed to the piece of dirt the other person was born on? And And, and it's all because of how they were programmed. And I have to realize that that they're going to look at the world through the eyes of what they were taught. They were taught how to see the world versus the way that we developed and we were taught how to see the world. And the way that our view of it has changed as we've gotten older, we've started to develop our own thoughts and our own way of seeing things through our experiences. Um, It's fascinating to think that there's people that could just hate people for no other reason than that. But that's the reality is that that's what they were born into. Ego. Mm-hmm. Everyone has an ego. And it's either whether you can control it and tell it to shut up and move on. Um, if you can view your ego as a completely different person, I find that's a good tactic. Ego is what will put people in this place where they think they're better than other people. And... It's, it's trying to dismantle that ego and find out so, so people can see that they are just, they're just a molecule, you know. You're just an atom that makes up the whole thing. You, you are no better than the trees that line the side of the road. You are no better than the lawn, you know, that's the grass that's growing on the ground. You, you're no better than the birds in the trees. It needs to stop that that ego if you feel any sense of superiority then it, it's you need to address that absolutely you know? um i get that there are winners and losers yes but you do not have to have 
those uh, views on life to be a winner. You don't have to think everyone's below you. You can be like, okay, I appreciate that I've been acknowledged in my field. Um, that's really good. Now, what can I do to to not be a douchebag? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I look at it and I, I want to do something as much as I can to make the world a better place while I'm here. Uh, not yeah. just for the people I know, but for their children and, you know, the children to come. And uh, I'd rather I, I'd rather do that than be an, another person who tries to control people or manipulate people or uh, yeah. just like you said, kind of be a dick. You know, that's just not what I what I want to do while I'm here with the with the time that I have. But I, I love yeah. that you're that you're focused on that kind of improvement because that's just going to lead you to be a happier person, a more successful person, inward and outward. And uh, props to you, man, because I think that too many people just don't take the time. They they just decided, well, that's who I am, and that's who I'm always going to be. Instead of and just settling for that, instead of saying, why don't I want to improve? Why do, why am I just settling for that? I I, I don't you want to be happier. People, I don't think people think they can change at times or they think it's too hard to change. It's really not that difficult. It's like if you have an injury of some sort, you're focused on not bumping it. It's a constant thing in your mind. Like just say you've, you've broken your wrist and you're like, well, you're clearly going to try not to bump that wrist on any door jams or uh, people or posts or whatever. You want to try and not you want to protect that so you you're constantly aware of it right and i think with addressing ego or different changes of thought if you want to change your life you have to change your thought patterns and to change thought patterns isn't that difficult people kind of shy away from it like oh that's impossible i can't do that my mind does this blah blah and you're like that's a thought pattern piss it off so <laughs> let's start with that one get rid of that you can everyone can Absolutely. Everyone can do, especially when it comes to thought patterns, you, you can discipline yourself. If people are like, oh, I don't have good discipline, it's like, okay, become an expert at discipline. You know, that's what I've, I've been trying to think. If I find weaknesses in, my, in myself or my understanding of things, um, for instance, a while back, humility was mentioned in a book I was reading, and I didn't know what it meant. I thought it's probably got something to do with being humble because I studied English once and I can sort of tie it together. But so I was like, oh, maybe it's got something to do with, with being humble. So I researched humility, looked into it, and I went, right, I'm going to be an expert on this. I want to be better at understanding what humility is. And therefore, once you start to have that mindset of, oh, I've got to learn this or I've got to change that, no. If you look at it and go, I'm going to become an expert at that, and then you go, right, cool, I'm going to start researching it. You tend to enjoy the research process of looking into what it is and why it is and how it affects the world and how it affects the outcomes of things, you know. And I think that's a cool, that's been a cool approach for me anyways, looking at something and if I don't understand it, instead of, instead of feeling um, self-conscious or stupid or whatever negative emotion might pop into your head from your childhood, it's more so just going, I don't understand that, but I'm going to research it and become an expert on that in the next few weeks, and then I'll move on to something else. And you get, you know, two weeks of reading information about something will give you an incredible understanding of it, enough to keep going in life. 
enough to implement it, you know? And I think that once you – so if your problem is you can't – you have lack of discipline, well, research discipline, why it is, what it is, and how to implement it, and then you, your next stage is to start using it, start practicing it on yourself. Um, conscientiousness is a, is a wonderful thing that for a long time I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was to do with conscious, like with being conscious. Because <laughs> it kind of sounds the same to me. And I looked into it and went, oh, okay, it means organizing things and thinking of other people and picking up stuff around the house at the moment that you've discarded it instead of later on when it all piles up. Right. All those sorts of things. I was like, oh, it's got nothing to do with really mm-hmm. <laughs> the human consciousness. So I think it's cool to, to, to research things that if you think you know what it is but you're not 100% sure, maybe go and make yourself 100% sure because you'll learn so much stuff. You think, oh, I thought I knew, I thought I knew about that, but I, was, <laughs> I did not. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of being conscious uh, of things that are going on in the world, your new song, Mr. Man, first of all, when when I played it, uh, it really blew me out of the water. It was not what I'm used to hearing from you. It's it's a whole different type of song. Absolutely loved it. I thought your voice is so well suited to this kind of stuff, too. It's very strong. Uh, The production is fantastic. I mean, the the mix and the mastering on it is, is, I, I wouldn't have changed anything on it if I could. Oh, and that's fantastic. Thank that, you. That's coming from a very picky audio engineer I had. Lovely. Um, but this this song is really about really it's it's about ego. You know, it, it's about the ego of people who try to keep the classes separated, who try to control and manipulate people so that they stay in power and everyone else is under their thumb. And I started yeah. thinking and I thought there's a couple different things that could have inspired this. It could be just as a casual observer. Uh, this is something that you noticed and you decided to write about, or it could be something that affected you or someone that you know or care about, and it made you angry and you needed to let it out. So I'm kind of curious, where did the inspiration for the song start? The inspiration of the song came from, like, initially, so I wrote the song about four years ago. That, that's when I first wrote the song. And it was coming from a place of frustration and um, seeing the the structure of society in Australia, I was only really looking at Australia and seeing what our government was doing with certain issues, and I wasn't really keen on it. I was like, no, this is this is just a. A lot of it isn't making a hell of a lot of sense to most people. People are kind of walking around saying, like, what on earth is going on around here, you know? And then you've got. You can turn on the TV. I don't know what it's like in the States, but in Australia, you can turn on the TV and watch politicians meeting like you would. You guys would have politicians all meet at Congress and they have a hall and they all sit there and talk about stuff. We, I don't know, like we, we can turn on the TV and watch them in there when they're having a meeting and it's absurd. The, the decision they're making Decisions that they make in there, a lot of them impact the working class people quite a lot. And I don't feel like when you're dealing with decisions that are impacting millions of people's live, livelihoods and stuff like that, I don't think there should be laughter. I feel like that should be a serious conversation. And our parliament <laughs> is just a joke. <laughs> 
to watch. And it's kind of similar to Britain as well. I've seen some of their footage and it's the same, sim- a, similar, a similar setup to, to what we have here. And it's just ridiculous to watch these childish arguments and laughter and bullying tactics. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's like, you guys are running the place. Oh my God. <laughs> Is it now? I know that that in here in America, and of course we're we're gearing up for elections here. So if we go on YouTube, every single video you try to watch, there's going to be a thirty second political ad that you cannot get past. We get tons mm. of paper in the mail. Um, but what yeah. I what I've come to notice is that the people that are making the decisions for us do not live in the same world that we do. They don't have to pay for health care. They don't, you know, they, they, they're well paid beyond what the average person in our country is. Do you find it's the mm. same thing there that they're making decisions for a world that they really don't live in? Yeah, I mean, it's a world that a lot of them come from initially. There's a lot of, um, a lot of people in power that have, were born from working class families and have worked their way up through this system to get to where they are. But in the current moment, most of them are out of touch with what it's like to have all of your paycheck gone the night you receive it because you've paid your bills and you went grocery shopping, you know? And that's the sort of, I would, I would probably suggest that most of, most of Australians um, are in that sort of boat where it's, it's kind of paycheck to paycheck thing. It's not like, um, yeah, you got to pick and choose. I've been in that boat in the last few years, to be honest. I've had to pick and choose and prioritize what was important that I could purchase that week, what bill I had to pay before I got a fine for it. Or, you know, um, it was only just a month ago I had suspended internet, suspended phone bill, and suspended tolls. Like, we got a lot of tolls here. Our roads, uh, our government don't put the roads up themselves they don't build the infrastructure they get an outsider to build the infrastructure and then we have to pay tolls to use it which is um they've they've really made a mess of that to be honest like the tolls have keep going up every quarter to the point now that i most people can't really justify using them it's like every toll point you go through might have cost you like three dollars fifty four dollars and you're like okay well, there's a lot of them, you know, for me to go into the CBD and back in Sydney, Australia will cost me about $40. Wow. That's, that's not That's not factoring in gasoline, insurance, registration, tires, like all the things to do with your vehicle. That's just the tolls. And that's ridiculous. It, it cuts off 10, 15 minutes of the, of the trip each way. So it's not, it's not worth the money. It's really not. There's a tunnel they've built here where trucks, big big trucks like semi-trailers and, and stuff, they got to use the, the tunnel and not the, the sort of standard road section. And that's really cool. As, as a sedan driver, it's like, nice, there's not as many trucks on this road because it was horrible. Uh, but for trucks, it costs them more to drive through the tunnel than they make in the time it takes them to drive through the tunnel. And, and which which means the cost of the goods that they're delivering that you're going to purchase are higher because they have to pay more to get it delivered there. It's just a vicious cycle. Yeah, and it's it's um it's a mess, man. It's really something that's a mess. So I was getting frustrated with all this stuff. Wrote this really immature song with lots of swearing in it, and 
I sat back and went, it's kind of got a good tune, this thing, and there's, there's a few hooks in it, but I'm I'm not settled on the <laughs> on the lyrics. They're, they're very immature. And um, I've just gradually, over time, have revisited the song and, and worked on it some more. And then one day I sat down with it and was like, oh, it's done now. It's finally finished. How good. And that, that was a, probably took three years to finish writing the song, like to finish playing around with it. I don't believe that when you write a song that it's done. It's very rare that when you finish writing a song day one, you're like, oh, yeah, finish writing this song. Nine times out of ten, it's not finished, folks. It's not finished. Right. <laughs> it needs more work. And there's something you can make better. And if you come back to it in two weeks' time or a week's time and you go, is this the best I can do? Um, nine times out of ten, it's not the best you can do. But on occasion, you'll have those moments where you slip into some other frequency or this this pool of knowledge and you'll pull out an incredible song in five minutes and it stays that way forever. And everyone's done that now and then. But I think some people fall into a trap of laziness where they their ego thinks they've done that every time. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Um, you've got to be your own gatekeeper, I think, in an independent music. Um, the whole reason that older music back in the day was so great is because there were gatekeepers at record labels that wouldn't allow s- certain things through. And sometimes that that's an unhappy situation when the label says, no, it's not good enough. Uh, but they, they're the experts on what sells and what's going to sell and all that sort of thing. So these days, we don't really have much of that. If you sign with a label, you've still got that. But if you're independent, unless you're doing it yourself or you have a manager who's going to do it, it doesn't happen. And therefore, you get 60,000 songs a day released and about a 1,000 of them are great and the rest are mediocre and some are just downright terrible. Well, and it's worse um, as a solo artist because if you're, if you're in a band, you at least have other opinions. You have kind of a check and balance or a democratic system. But when you're yeah. a solo artist, you don't have anyone there writing a song with you to go, uh, that bridge doesn't work or we should do something different there. You know, you yeah. have to monitor your own creativity. And if your ego is not in check, yeah. if your ego is not in check, it will tell you that everything you're doing is wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've had that, man. I've, I've released things in the past that I look at and go, wow, ego must have got me on that one because <laughs> there's more work that could be done to that song. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes you'll look back at things, right, in hindsight and think, oh, I could do this to that song, could do that. But as long as at the time that you are recording the song and releasing it, that is the very best you can do, the best quality you have in your knowledge, you know. Um, and I think that's – I've watched Mr. Man grow from being – a a shitty song with a cool hook to now gradually adding bits and pieces and it's it's grown its maturity it's it's matured as i have kind of matured along with it it's really interesting um and it is a different style of music for me but it's not um it's not foreign within it's just foreign for what i've released i haven't really done too much that's kind of like this this new music that's coming out um, I've been, I think I've been hiding this sort of music because it, it's very me. 
it's very much me. And if people don't like it, then it's kind of a rejection of who I am. And I've been reluctant to do anything that honest before because of my ego. Ego was in the road and, and slowing me down and saying, no, 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 don't do that. Just in case, you know, if they don't like it, at least if they don't like this stuff, it's not, it's not really you. So it's all good. And I'm like, no, no, I just need to, you got to silence that ego and, and sort of duct tape over the mouth of, of the ego and just sit it in the corner somewhere. Um, there are times when it can help, but I think most of the time it's a, it's a hindrance. And I think what you said earlier, too, is absolutely correct about the reason that the music from back in the day was so good was because you had producers and people to kind of gatekeep it. But I also mm. think there was a difference in the honesty of music. The, a lot of the bands from, say, the 70s just wrote what they felt and what they thought sounded mm. good and felt good to play and didn't think much yeah. more of it. And I think now we tend to overthink, well, you know, if I don't have this in the song, it's not going to get on a playlist on Spotify. Or if I don't do mm. this, people aren't going to like it. And I think that that we've lost a little bit of that honesty and it's understandable because you want to try and find a way to break through the muck of everything that's out there, which is a bigger goal than even writing a good song now. Mm. And it's a different world. Hey, like the people who were in their prime and releasing songs in the seventies and eighties grew up in a completely different time than we are now. And yeah, it's, I always thought that music was supposed to relate to people. Like you're supposed to write songs as a songwriter that people could relate to. And I was viewing things as a songwriter, not per se as an artist. And nowadays I've had the realization that if I'm going to be a, an, a, a songwriter who's writing for myself and therefore an artist as well, I need to be truthful and honest in my songs and write songs that I can relate to. And that's, that's all I need to be concerned about stuff that I need to make music that I really enjoy and that I relate to because it's about personal things. And I, I have been not doing that for my whole career thus far. There's uh, a couple of songs out that, that are personal, but for the most part, I would write songs directed at a certain thing or a certain demographic or Whereas now it's like, okay, I've made all this stuff. Where does it fit? Instead of this is where we want to go, so make stuff to fit that. It's the other way around now. It's like, okay, I've made this thing. I need to find out how it's going to fit in and who who might relate to it, who might resonate to it. And I really don't know. I don't know what to expect. And I've tried not to waste too much energy on worrying about it whether it's received or not received because at the end of the day that song and that message has been said i've gotten it out i've laid it down and it's there it's it's done you know it's kind of it's like i can i can let it go now i can set it off into the world and see what happens and if it's received well it is if not it's not and i'll keep i'll keep going well and i think the fact that that like you said, if you if you make it the best that you can be at that time in your life when you're making it, I mean, you may learn mm. different production skills down the road or different songwriting skills down the road, and you could go, oh, I wish I would have applied that. But as long as on the day that you finished it, you said, this is mm. the best I can do, then whatever happens to that, you've already been successful by just getting well, it to yeah, that in a, in, a, in a way, you have, yeah. yeah. And, and you've, 
you've um oh, said something before it just sparked something in my head um and it's gone <laughs> but the the public consumption of that there's so many factors that go into it i mean it's a cutting through the, the muck of everything that's out there. It's B, catching somebody that's in an open-minded frame where they can listen to a new piece of music and not be distracted with 10 other things that are in their head or they're in a bad mood because they just got cut off on the freeway. Um, there's so many factors to whether people receive a song or not. It doesn't really have much of a say-so on how how good we are or how acceptable we are as artists because they might like us if they were in a better mood and they heard that song or they might not like us at all anyway and it wouldn't matter. But it, it, but even commercial success is really not a way to judge anything. It's just like, just do the best you can, put it out there, hope people catch on to it. While they're catching on to it, you're writing the next thing. Yeah, and I just want to... I just... Uh, I want to be authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm trying to do with the new material is I want it to be more authentic because at the end of the day, I'm going to have to perform it over and over and over again. And if I'm not, if it's not a part of me, then it it becomes very draining. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Can't lose yourself in it um, and trans out for those three and a half, four minutes or whatever the song is. It can become very yeah, very boring, um, very uh, draining to do this to play the same song, a song that you don't like. <laughs> well, and, and as you get <laughs> further in your set, you're, yeah, you're getting closer and closer to oh god, I got to play this song again tonight, you know. <laughs> and, and it's yeah, going to ruin the three songs before it. Sure, I think all the, all artists have got a song that has kicked off that you know they've written, but it wasn't their favorite. Sure, and the song has the song is taken with the public and they've had to play it over and over. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of got to be done. And it's not, it's not hard work really. If you compare it to roofing. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, really... and Tchaikovsky hated the nutcracker and that was by far his most successful piece of music, you know? Uh, right. So it, it's, it's just all about just make great art, put it out there, put a good vibe into it. And, you can yeah. sing about angry things and still put a good vibe into it. You know, like with this, yeah. like if this yeah. was an instrumental or if it was about anything else, the music on its own is perfectly enjoyable. Um, oh, lovely. You know, it's it's That's not designed nice. to be an instrumental, but it just taking the music on its own is very enjoyable. Then you add the lyrics into it and your passion for what you're talking about and how deeply it seems that you feel it. And maybe it's because when you first wrote it, you put a lot of swear words and you put, you just vomited the words out. Everything that's inside me, I'm Uh going to get out. And then I'll I'll refine it later to make it more consumable. But right now I just need to get all this out of my system. Maybe that's why it works. I guess that's pretty well how it happened. And and that's like, that's a first for me. I don't really, up until that point, I hadn't written like that. I wouldn't necessarily write about my own issues because i personally view some songs when they're written like that uh to be really whingy and whiny and just like it's like bro i don't care about your issues (laughs) (laughs) and stop singing about this whingy whiny crap uh but there's ways of doing it uh where you can 
get across your frustrations without complaining too much. And that's what I was trying to do with Mr. Man. I wasn't trying to say, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong and this sucks and blah, 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 and it's all negative. I just wanted to propose the question of, well, there's lots of questions in the song, but like, what is going on? What are you guys actually doing? And are you in touch with society? You know? You know, I, I remember reading years and years ago that uh, if if Bill Gates, it would be a waste of time for Bill Gates to bend over and pick up a $1,000 bill because in the time it takes to do that, he's made more in interest in his bank accounts than that. And I thought, yeah. so here, here we have people that are starving, people that are homeless, and we've got a guy that doesn't even need to bend over to pick up a $1,000 bill. This is mm. just a mess. You know, like we're, yeah. there's, there's no balance. It really is classes in society. It's really tiered for how you're going to live your life. And, and, you know, if you can break out of it, great, but you're probably not going to is the mentality. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you've pointed out some incredible things in the song, but the way you delivered it, you're right. You're not bitching about it. You're not, you're not saying the world sucks. You're kind of saying, why are things this way? How can it be this way? And how yeah. can it be different? I, I like the approach. And it's of it. a question. It's not, not a question I expect to have answered either. It was just, it's questioning things because I'm a, I'm an artist. I'm not a politician. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. I've never been to college. You know, I've, I've observed things in the world. I've never studied um, studied the curriculum of information. Um, so I can't really tell you the answer. I don't know the answer. And I'm not in a position where I deserve a voice to have the answer. But I can ask the question, what the fuck is going on here? It's a bit strange to me. And once you start to dismantle the ego and in yourself, you see all these things around. You're like, wow, man, why is it like that? You know, and I get the whole thing of winners and losers, which is apparently being slowly phased out in childhood. They want kids, all kids to get ribbons for races and stuff, which I personally kind of disagree with because winning and losing does, it does sculpt your work ethic and it will make you push harder and you grow like if i hadn't have had setbacks right but once you leave school you are you hit brick wall after brick wall of setbacks and if you're not prepared for that sort of thing if you've never experienced much of a setback as far as no you're not good enough you didn't work hard enough you don't get the job or you don't get the part or whatever that'd destroy you oh yeah I feel like that would destroy you. you know? if, if you go into a job and you're like, uh, I don't want to do that task because uh, copying paper offends me or, or I think it's beneath me and they're going to go, we don't need you to work here. Like, how are you? We're, you're supposed to be getting the tools to survive in the real world through your developmental years. And if we're not yeah. doing that, what are we going to expect out of the next generation? It's going to be a complete mess, you know? And we've already seen, I think, examples of that. But I think it's a great approach. I really dig this song, man. I mean, friendship aside, like when, when like literally, I, I, I was like, don't, don't think about what a cool guy Dean is, how great we get along, or any of that stuff. Just listen to the song and take it for what it is. Dug it immediately from from the first opening bars. I'm like, all right, I like this. And as it went on, I loved the I'm approach glad of you it. Like it. Yeah, I love that it wasn't angry. I love that it was more observational. Um, because I think there's already plenty of anger in these issues. You know, there's plenty of people just 
being mad about it instead of just saying, let's take a step back and look at it. So I really appreciate sure. the the approach that you had of it. So I'm glad that you spent three years refining the song and, you know, really turning it into something that you wanted to deliver instead of saying, yeah, I wrote this song. Let me just get it recorded and put it out there. Yeah, no, there was definitely a lot went into it, man. And I, I, mean, I started recording the song three years ago, four, four years ago, I wrote it. Yeah, no, would have been 2018. I started to record that song. Okay. Um, I produced it myself. Um, I played everything on it. I was going to get, I've got like some of the other music coming out. I've got other players. Like if something's out of my skill set, I am more than happy to employ someone to, <laughs> to play the part. Sure. I don't think like I want to do everything. I've got to do everything myself. It's not the case. If I can handle it and, and deliver it nicely, then I'll do it. Uh, but if I can't, then I'll get someone in to play the bass on it or to play the drums on it or whatever. But this song, a lot of this new material, I've, I'm using essences of things that I've found incredibly awesome to listen to over my life and have sort of just pinched bits and pieces from everywhere and put them together. And it's, it's sounding exactly like what I thought it would sound like. Um, I had this moment frustration and this was 18 thereabouts i was laying on the floor in my in my studio looking up not knowing what i was doing what sound i should have who i was as a person or an artist there's just so i was so lost you know um with all that sort of identification stuff and i think um I tapped into some frequency, right, being at that low point, and I heard the sound of Mr. Man. I didn't hear the song. I didn't hear melodically anything necessarily, but I did hear the overall sound and how fat it was and how it was like this strong sound, not not huge layers of stuff going on. It's kind of simple as far as its production goes, but it's very strong and punchy. And I was listening to it like this, this, this sound in my head. And I was like, okay, well, I need to make this sound. So I picked a song, a cover song, and I started building, building this sound around it. And I got online and I, I was like, I need to find what drum machine, because I knew it was an old drum machine that I could hear. It wasn't a kit. And I looked through different iconic drum machines from the 80s and I found the sounds of a Yamaha RX-11 and it happened to be, that's as close as I could find to the sound in my head. And I was like, right, that's the thing. I need to get one of these. Now, if I was born 10 years later than I was, I would have just gone online and downloaded the samples. But because <laughs> I, <laughs> yep. I grew up analog and then digital came in, I got online and searched RX-11 on like a community marketplace thing. And I found there was one for sale in Australia and it was 10 minutes away from me. Oh, beautiful. I was like, it is meant to be <laughs> 200 bucks. I took it down there. I was like, yeah, sick, man. Cool. We've got this thing. Took it home, plugged it in. I was like, that's the drum sound. Okay, sick. And then I made samples of it. And a couple of years later, realized I could have just gone and downloaded samples someone had already made. But now, that's cool. 
Um, so that I started with this drum machine and then I got a bass and I'm like, okay, well, the bass I could hear was quite compressed, quite round. What sort of bass is it? It's a P bass. I don't have one. I'm going to have to save up. So I saved up for a fair while more. Then you've got um, acoustics. I could hear acoustic guitars in there quite strongly. I could hear electrics in there, but not crazy overdriven stuff, just sort of a bit of drive, but not too much reverb and things. And I've just gradually built this sound up. And I've, when I received it back from the mix engineer, um, it was just wonderful to hear it. The feeling of sitting there listening to it and going, that's the sound. Mm-hmm. That's what I had in mind. I mean, it's, it's basically like a, a bonsai tree for music, right? You close your eyes, you look at the tree, you close your eyes, you think this is what it needs to be, and then you just start clipping until it ends up exactly how you pictured it. It's harder to yeah. do with music. I actually owned, I can't remember if it was an, uh, if it was a 7 or an 11, but I had one of those Yamaha drum machines. And I used oh, to, to program beats when I wasn't able to play uh, like late in the night or early in the morning, that kind of thing. When I couldn't play my drums, I would sit there and program out things or, or you know, different patterns to practice to. Uh, killer yeah. drum machines. They, they definitely don't make them like that anymore. But I, I love that. I love when things are built organically and they, they mm. tend to come out more honest and, and more natural. So, uh, you know, like I said, the production on the song is fantastic. I wouldn't have changed a thing. That's I. I really appreciate you saying that, man, because it's uh, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't know personally. It's like I think it's a good job. I think I did a good job on it. But to hear from someone with good ears that you have done a good job on it, it's like, nice, man. Yeah. yeah I really appreciate sure. that. The guy that mixed it is a wonderful, wonderful mix mastering engineer. He's based in Melbourne, but he works with a lot of, um, a lot of dance, like EDM tracks. Oh, okay. From artists in the states, actually, I think around New York and Cali and stuff, he he um, masters mixes a lot of that sort of that sort of stuff. Um, and I thought I'm going to use him because I, I really like him. Like we get along really well. He's um, he's done front of house sound for me before for some bigger shows, and he knows his stuff. He's we, there's a song. Um, you ever heard of the Pot Bellies? I don't know if they're. I have not how much traction they had overseas, but they had a great, a great album out about 10 years ago. It had this hit song on it that Jeep now used for their, their theme song, the Jeep oh. theme song. Wow. Um, and it was always really fat. I was like, that's an amazing sound. Like those, those guys sound really great. And I found out that Steve actually did the mix master on those, on that album. Ah. I was like, okay, <laughs> this, he's gonna, he's gonna know what I'm, what I'm looking for with, Combining the fatness of the EDM world with instrumentation. Yeah. You know, and he just cr- did an incredible job. And he's, he's mixed a couple of others now too, and they've just they've come up so good. Well, with the results being what they are, I certainly can't argue with that, uh, that concept. Uh, so where, like, what, do you, what is your next thing? Or have you planned it? Are you on a hiatus right now? What are you doing? Um, right now, I'm actually... For the last like couple of years, I sort of stepped back away from the industry, especially for the last 12 months, I just stopped. I didn't know if I wanted to continue with it or not, you know, so I guess I had to just take a step back. And I've been working carpentry with a friend of mine and doing some renovations and stuff for the last 12 months and learning a lot there. And then I was like, well, do I want to do music anymore? Or, you know, I was just in that sort of place. I had to take some time. And 
yeah, I, I finally, finally came through it and feel, feel like my mindset's a lot healthier these days and, and that I really enjoy music. So I have made the decision to continue. Good. You know, and, and actually release these, these songs and, and try and travel them the best I can. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very glad to hear that because I, I'm a big fan of your work and as, as I would hate to see you continue if you didn't want to, and I would hate to see you stop, but if that's what you needed to do for you, then that's what you need to do. Uh, but I'm glad you're going to go forward. And, uh, so we can expect more. Yeah. Yeah, man. We've got, um, we've got, so the, the rough plan at the moment is to gradually release an EP. So we've got another few songs coming and then we'll do another EP and same approach with that, just a gradual release, drop a song a month or however it rolls out. Um, you know, things change. I can't really control the universe at all. <laughs> I control right. outcomes with mindset. I get that now. I'm starting to, starting to work that out. But um, these are just sort of rough outlines. And then we'll look at uh, look at a full-length album at some stage in the future. Nice pending what happens you know yeah well definitely keep me posted come back and see us again thank you so much for uh for hanging out congrats on this single i think it's fantastic i'm looking forward to to people checking it out and seeing what they have to say about it so guys i've got all the links for dean in the show notes uh check it out he's obviously a very passionate artist has a really good grip on where where things are headed i'm really glad to hear that congrats my friend thanks brother thanks for your time today man it's really good chatting to you Yeah, definitely. We'll have to do this again for sure. Sounds good. Take care, my friend. Will do, brother. Talk soon.